Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. We will pick up where we left off last week at verse 29 and work through verse 45 this morning as we've been walking our way through the gospel of Mark together. If you're new to North River Church, each week as we gather together, we open God's Word, working verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And so we are in Mark's gospel, and we will be here for quite a while. So we are excited about God's Word. We're excited about the reminder for us that when God's Word is proclaimed, the promise is that it will not return void. It will accomplish everything that God intends for it to accomplish in our lives. The message this morning is entitled, Laser-Focused. Have you ever found yourself laser-focused on something? Like you just can't get your mind off of whatever it is that you need to take care of. If you remember last week, if you came to the first service, you wouldn't have noticed it quite as much. But if you were in the second service last week, it got up to 80 degrees in this room. 80 degrees. Now, we know it's like trying to breathe in a microwave outside already, but 80 degrees in here. So here's what we realized. There was an issue with one of our air conditionings. And so Monday morning, church family, after sweating through two services last week, I was laser focused on making sure we had air conditioning this week. Now, praise the Lord. It's working, but things did not look so good Monday because something got fixed on Monday and then come Tuesday, we still had a problem. And then Thursday, we still had a problem. And the guy who's fixing it, I I just told him, I said, well, here's the deal. If it's not working on Sunday morning, I just need you at church to let everybody know. Hence, this morning, church, it's working, right? Praise the Lord for that. But that was one thing laser-focused last week on. You know, it's interesting that we're going to see this morning Jesus laser-focused on the mission. And so I want us to begin, before we read the text together, is for you to know some parallel passages this morning, some texts that are in the other gospel accounts that relate to these passages, these stories that we're going to read this morning. So write this down, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 14 through 17, and then Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 44, and then chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Just want to encourage you in your time with the Lord together this week to spend some time working through and simply reminding yourselves of the truth as we unpack them this morning in the text together. I want to read the text, and as we do each week, we'll walk back through it. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, 
and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we begin to dive into the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. It's this truth, we must remain laser-focused on Jesus' mission. As a body of believers, as Christians gathered together called North River Church, we must remain laser-focused on Jesus' mission. What we're going to see in the text is a lot of things transpiring, but, but one thing in particular that I want to call our attention to as we walk through the text, and that is Jesus' laser-focused approach to the reason that he came. In the midst of all that was swirling around him, Jesus was never distracted by any of that. He was always focused on the mission for which he came. If you've missed any of the weeks leading up to this, I just want you to know that Mark has a very specific purpose in this gospel account. He wants people to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Savior. There is no hope for forgiveness of our sins apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he is the Son of God. That's Mark's aim, and so everything that we are going to look at as we walk through Mark's gospel account needs to be filtered through that reality of Mark's aim is for us to see clearly who Jesus is. I want us to notice as we begin in verse 29 through verse 34, Jesus' power and popularity. Jesus' power 
and popularity. Notice in verses 29 through verse 31, it says he immediately left the synagogue. If you remember last week, we covered that as there was a man within the synagogue who was demon-possessed. Demons uh, were possessing this man, and what we see is Jesus is able to cast the demon out, and in the midst of that has also taught from the Old Testament, and people are amazed by the reality of this man has authority that we have never seen before. And on the back end of that, it says he immediately leaves the synagogue. He enters the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And Jesus came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. We've seen Jesus' authority already as we've walked through the text, but once again, we see his power on display just in this moment. That as he enters into this house with Simon, Simon Peter, that Simon's mother-in-law is ill with a fever and Jesus finds out about it. They tell him and Jesus says, no worries, I got this. And he goes in and he lifts her up by the hand and immediately it says that the fever left her. I found it interesting because one of the things that is fascinating to me is that as Jesus is encountering these situations, there's never a moment for Jesus that he says, I don't know what I should do about this, or I don't know if I have the power to fix the problem that's in front of me. It's never a concern for Jesus as he's navigating through these situations. Now, I love this because here's, guys, can I just pick on us a little bit? That'd be okay this morning. Simon's mother-in-law was the one who had the fever. And as soon as he, she is healed by Jesus, what does the text say? She gets up and serves them. Guys, that would not happen if it were us. It's a good thing it was not the father-in-law on the grill that day, right? Got the man flu, ever had that? Just so sick, I mean, you are dying. But I want you to notice here that Jesus is able to heal her in this moment. The fever is gone. Her strength is there to be able to carry on and do what she desires to do, which is to serve them as they are in her home. It's interesting when you look at this, you are reminded that Jesus is the only one who has the power to bring authentic transformation in people's lives. There is no hope for us apart from Jesus Christ. You may have come in today, and for you, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. And I want you to know that's the beginning point for you in this journey, to recognize and see clearly who Jesus is, to understand that he came to this earth not simply to perform miracles, but he came, as we're going to see in just a little bit, to proclaim the good news of the gospel of heaven, that is that salvation is possible for us through him alone. And for you this morning, maybe that is the step that you need to take. Believer, I just want to remind you as you gather here that your hope this morning rests in the power of Jesus Christ alone. We are in desperate need of him. Verse 32 through verse 34, 
Notice what happens that evening at sundown. They brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Listen to verse 33. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. As you look in Matthew's account of this story, what you realize is that Matthew is very explicit, very clear that this action by Jesus with the crowd that is gathering at the door is fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah, the Savior, would come and he would heal them of their diseases, their afflictions. And for this moment, what we see once again is the reality of who Jesus Christ is. But there's a problem. Because we find out as well very quickly that the crowd is primarily interested in what Jesus can do for them, not in Jesus himself. And I want to simply issue to us a caution this morning. Because if we are not careful at times in our lives, we will be more interested in what Jesus can give us than in him alone. We'll be more interested in the treasure that comes as a result of following Jesus and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the actual treasure for us. Let me press in a little bit just to help you think about it a little bit more as we think about just this church family. It will be very tempting for us to approach church, to approach the ministries that are here with the mindset of the church's primary aim is to dispense to me religious goods and services that I consume and enjoy and that my kids consume and that they enjoy. But here's the reality of that. We're here because of Jesus. And if you treasure North River Church because of what it gives you, you have missed the boat. Because above all of that is the reality of who Jesus Christ is. He is the treasure. And so I just want to encourage you, as you are a member of North River Church, you're plugged in, to to think about this mindset as you come in. This is not what I can I get out of North River Church, though I hope you get a lot out of coming. But this is primarily about I have the opportunity to gather with other believers and to treasure Jesus Christ above everything else. Not simply to get what I want. So I want to encourage you in that to recognize that the vast majority of the crowd in this moment is simply there because they want something from Jesus. They don't want Jesus himself. It's interesting because as we continue to walk through, we're going to see this play out. So I want you to notice not only Jesus's power and popularity, but in verse 35 through verse 39, Jesus's devotion and his determination. 
So think about what's just transpired. It is an all-night moment for Jesus ministering to and serving people. The whole town is at the door of the house wanting something from Jesus. But notice in verse 35, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now I look at this and I think, maybe he should have slept in right? All night ministry session, an opportunity for him to catch a little bit of extra sleep, but don't see that happening. In fact, he rises early and he departs to a desolate place and he prays. He communes with his heavenly father. And I look at that and I begin to think, why, why why did Jesus do that? Why does he depart in this moment to spend time with his heavenly father. And you realize very quickly that he realizes in this moment that devotion to his heavenly father is vastly more important than the crowds who are beating down the door. And I just want to challenge you with something this morning, especially if you follow Jesus for any length of time, especially if you are actively engaged in serving here at North River Church. Be very, very careful that what you do for God doesn't replace your love of God. So easy to get busy doing things for God and lose sight of the relationship that we have with him. And Jesus in this moment is incredibly busy in ministry, but he pauses early in the day so that he can spend time with his heavenly father. As I thought about that, I've been in ministry long enough to recognize even for my own heart that there is a tendency towards being so busy in ministry so busy doing what God has called me to do that I lose sight of the fact that the first priority for every believer, pastor included, is to be with God. That is number one in our lives. And so I just simply want to encourage you to to recognize that and to, to lean into that, the opportunity to be with your heavenly Father. Jesus models it so beautifully for us. In fact, it's a fascinating scene that plays out beginning in verse 36 because Simon Peter doesn't quite grasp what's going on. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They can't find Jesus. They found him and said to him, notice what they say in verse 37, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. The crowds are trying to find Jesus. Now think about this for just a second. Like that is an opportunity in this moment for Jesus to say, awesome, let's set up what we need to do right here and they can come and they can find me. But notice what Jesus says in the midst of this. 
He said to them, let us move on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And I can imagine in this moment that his disciples are going, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Don't you want people to come? Don't you want people to find you? Jesus, why would you leave a wonderful opportunity for ministry in this moment? I mean, the crowds are coming. Why would, why would you want to leave that and head to the next town? But notice, Jesus says the reason very clearly that I may preach there also. In fact, what Jesus understands in this moment is that the crowds are coming not because they want to hear the message of the kingdom, not because they want to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. They're coming to Jesus for what they can get out of him. And Jesus says the mission is to proclaim the gospel, the good news of what I can do to transform their lives. This physical healing, this People who were demon-possessed and the demons were cast out, those are not bad things, Jesus says, but they are not the main thing. The main thing is the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has come to do. In fact, when Jesus talks about his mission on this earth, he says that he came to seek and to save those who were lost, those who were far from him. Notice that he doesn't say, I came to heal I came to cast out demons. He says, I came to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. You know, it's interesting when we think about the mission of the church. Why are we here? Why do we exist what is the purpose for which God has placed North River Church here? The purpose is very simple. It's the mission that Jesus gave to us before he left. That is to make disciples of all nations, to baptize and to teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded them. So what do we do at North River Church? What's our purpose? Why do we exist? It is to fulfill that mission. We've been talking over the last number of months about fulfilling that mission here, about the key opportunities that God has placed before us in this community in which we live to fulfill the mission that he has North River Church here to fulfill. What we've seen over the last number of years is that God is continuing to bless North River Church. More people are continuing to come. And what we realize is that that's not about building a monument here to North River Church. It's ultimately not about building a building either, though that's part of us being able to move forward and to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is ultimately about pursuing the mission that God has placed us here to pursue. And I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to be a part of fulfilling that mission here at North River Church. We need every single one of you on board to fulfill that mission. 
that mission of making disciples, that mission of seeing kids' lives transformed, that mission of seeing marriages transformed, that mission of being able to offer to this community counseling from a biblical framework as they work through that, the opportunity to plant churches, the opportunity to reach people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring them into a faith family so that we can disciple them, focused solely on the truth of God's word and equip them to live out in this community what God has called them to live out and to lift high the name of Jesus. That is why we are here. Jesus recognized that he was here for a specific purpose. And instead of being distracted by the crowds coming, he remained laser-focused on proclaiming the truth that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God. There is hope in him alone. It says in verse 39, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. But I want you to see not only Jesus' power and popularity, his devotion and determination, but lastly, his heart and his hope. Verse 40, a leper came to him. If you want to read up on leprosy and all that transpires there, Leviticus chapter 13, just give you a little bit of homework to work through that. But it says he came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. I want you to see Jesus' heart in verse 41, moved with pity. That's not pity of, I feel sorry for this guy. It's, it's a phrase of moved with compassion, that, that everything within Jesus is moved in this moment. One of the things I love to do, and, and I love to watch videos of soldiers coming home and surprising their kids. Love it. Love to see that. Get choked up. Get moved. Janie's looking at me going, what is wrong with you? I got something in my eye, right? I'm just, I'm okay. But you're moved from within to see that. And what we see in Jesus in this moment is this, this compassion for this man. What does Jesus recognize in this moment? He sees the reality of how broken this world is as a result of sin. The brokenness that this man is walking through as a result of living in a sin-saturated world, Jesus knowing that the hope for us is him alone. He looks at this man with compassion, with pity, and it says he stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Immediately, verse 42, the leprosy left him, he was made clean, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Jesus' hope in this moment is this man would, would not blow things up for Jesus, and instead, the man doesn't even listen to what Jesus says. He just goes and tells everybody about what Jesus has done for him. It forces Jesus to stay in the wilderness places to continue his ministry. But I thought about that as I thought about this community in which we live. That there are people 
67% who are not plugged into the life of the church at all. More than that, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. Does that move you with compassion? Do you see them as sheep without a shepherd? Do you see them as people whose only hope is a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the question that we have to ask ourselves as we come to this reality is, will we join the mission of making an impact in this community for the cause of Jesus Christ? Will we be a part of what God is doing here through North River Church to this community and ultimately to the nations for God's glory and for the fame and renown of Jesus' name everywhere?